God wants our lives to be consumed with the desire to fulfill His commission for us to make disciples. Before we can make the most of godly opportunities to disciple others, we must first be able to recognize them. I mentioned in a much earlier episode that some discipleship opportunities are informal, while others are more formal or official. Informal discipleship opportunities are unstructured, where formal opportunities are often more structured. Informal opportunities for discipleship are not planned or orchestrated, and they are all around us. These opportunities might involve the person standing next to you in line at the store or sitting next to you at a ball game. They may involve a neighbor, family member, coworker, friend, or someone you just met. The possibilities are endless. Scripture provides us with many examples of informal discipleship opportunities. Philip with the Ethiopian, Jesus with the woman at the well, Paul with the Philippian jailer, Jesus with the Nicodemus. One of my favorites is found in Acts chapter 16. Verses 22 through 24 tells us that Paul and Silas had been stripped beaten with rods, severely flogged, and thrown into prison for preaching the gospel. In prison, the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Acts 16, 24-25 says, When the jailer received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Now, I would imagine that many people who had just experienced what Paul and Silas had gone through would just be in survival mode. But these men were disciple makers, taking advantage of every opportunity to point others to the Lord Jesus. And as they prayed and sang to God, the other prisoners were listening to them. The story continues in verses 26 through 31. It says, suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself! We are all here! The jailer called for lights rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Now, imagine for a moment the people who may be watching and listening to you as you talk about the things of God or demonstrate His character throughout your day. Imagine the opportunities God may orchestrate for you to influence someone for Jesus when you least expect it. You may be thinking, if these types of opportunities aren't scheduled or planned, how will I recognize them? As you increasingly yield the moments of your day to fulfill God's purpose rather than merely your own, God will place people in your path to influence for Him. As you increasingly practice abiding in God's Word and His presence, God-designed opportunities will become increasingly recognizable. In Matthew 13, 3, Jesus tells us the parable about a farmer who went out to sow his seed. Matthew 13, 19 tells us 
that the seed the farmer scattered was the message about the kingdom of God, the good news of Jesus. So the farmer went out to tell others about Christ Jesus. Farmers, by definition, are people who farm. They are intentional in planting, watering, and nurturing seed with every hope of it growing. Farmers cannot make seed grow. Only God can do that. But a seed has no chance of growing if it is not planted. Matthew 28:19 reminds me of the parable of the farmer. In this verse, Jesus told his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. In the same way that farmers farm, disciples make disciples. That's what they are created to do. Just as the farmer went out to sow seed, we are to be sowing seeds of truth in the lives of those around us as we go about each day. No doubt, making disciples is an intentional way of living. Matthew 13.4 tells us that the farmer scattered seed. His focus wasn't on one specific area. He was intentionally spreading seed in various directions. In order for disciples like you and I to make disciples of all nations, we too will need to scatter seeds of truth in a multitude of directions. Consider for a moment all the different directions you travel in a week or perhaps even a single day. Now consider what might happen when you are intentional in scattering seeds of truth along each path. Before we can seize godly appointments, we must first be able to recognize them. I encourage you, as you go along the routine of each day, to develop the habit of consistently asking the Holy Spirit to orchestrate opportunities for you to influence people for His kingdom. In doing so, you will be preparing your heart and mind to be ready in any given moment to point others to Jesus. There may be informal occasions, for example, when the Lord opens a door for you to invest in the lives of people who need to be introduced to the person of Jesus, or maybe they've heard of Jesus but haven't yet entered into a relationship with Him. These may be strangers or people you regularly come in contact with. They may or may not attend church. There may currently be people in your area of influence who are not yet familiar with the Bible or the significance God's Word holds for their lives. That means that the truth you share and the lifestyle you demonstrate have enormous spiritual significance. I'm reminded of several informal opportunities I've had in the past. And you know, in the moment, they sometimes seem insignificant. Yet, as we faithfully scatter seed, others will water and nurture what we've planted, and God will make it flourish. In 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 7, the Apostle Paul wrote, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. I remember one day I was working with a lady I was paired with at a children's event at our church. We were cutting out objects that were part of the creation story. Then we were asked to use the objects to share the creation story with small groups of children later that day. As we visited, the lady shared with me that she was happy to volunteer, but she did not realize that she would be asked to tell the creation story. She told me, I don't know that I can do that. Let me stop here for just a moment. Do you recognize the discipleship opportunity? Discipleship is meeting people where they are 
and encouraging them to take the next step in their relationship with Jesus. Now, I don't know why the lady was reluctant to share the creation story, but can you imagine the glory God would receive in her doing so? I said a quick prayer, and then I asked the lady if she would be open to sitting with me while I shared the creation story with the first two groups of children. Between the two groups, I mentioned to her how learning the creation story helps children realize that they were created by God for His purpose. She told me, I wish I would have learned that at a young age. After I told the story for the second time, I asked the lady if she would like to tell the story for the next group. I let her know that I would be available to help if she needed me. She not only told the creation story, she interacted with each child in a way that they knew she cared about them. She later told me that that experience made her feel more confident to talk to others about God's Word. Precious. Another example was an evening I'd just arrived home from work. I'd left my car parked outside to unload it. I made one trip to the house and returned to my car. And as God would have it, when I walked back outside, there was a young man walking up my driveway. He handed me a piece of paper with a map on it, and he asked me if I'd like to take walks. I told him that I did, and he explained that his church had recently created a walking path for the community to use. I told him, thanks. That's really a kind gesture. Now let me stop here for a moment. When you develop the habit of asking the Lord to create opportunities for you to influence others for Him, you should anticipate Him doing so. I mean, seriously. This young man is walking up my drive while at the same time I'm walking towards my car. Possible divine appointment, right? So after I told him, thank you for distributing the maps, I asked him if he was a believer. He immediately said, yes, ma'am. I accepted Christ just a year ago. I said, that's wonderful. Have you had any opportunities to talk to others about Christ? He said, what do you mean? At that point, I slowed down and I said, well... While you are engaging others to talk about whether they like to walk, I'm wondering if you've had an opportunity to ask them about their walk with the Lord. He kind of laughed and said, oh, I get it. That's exactly what I'll do. And then he started telling me how much knowing Jesus has changed his life. He was adorable. After that brief encounter, he went on his way and I went back in the house. I have no idea what transpired after our time together but I was incredibly encouraged by that young man. And I also trust that our moments together were purposeful. In addition to anticipating God orchestrating divine opportunities for informal discipleship, I also encourage you to consider and take advantage of the opportunities He has already created for you. For example, each week my husband and I arrive a little early to our small group Bible study and engage people in conversation before class begins. Our goal is not to merely make them feel welcome, although that's definitely a benefit. Our goal is to relate to them, to let them know that we care about them, and to ask how we can be praying for them. We do pray regularly for them, and then follow up with them concerning their prayer requests. As relationships and trust have been built between us, my husband and I have each had multiple opportunities to sow seeds of truth into these precious lives. Whether in front of a large crowd, a small group of people, or individuals, Jesus was continually making disciples by sharing the truth of God's love and grace while teaching others to walk in obedience to Him. So please, 
in following Jesus' example, be intentional in taking advantage of every opportunity for informal discipleship. Then, in addition to informal discipleship opportunities, God will also provide you with formal opportunities to train believers to more fully depend on Him. Formal discipleship is when two people officially agree to meet consistently for a period of time for the purpose of learning to grow in their relationship with Jesus. I once attended a first aid training course where the instructor had a group watch a video, and then he spoke to the group while referencing a manual on the subject. Then we were each asked to use available mannequins to practice what we'd been learning. Each person started practicing using the step-by-step plan the manual provided, while asking questions when they came to an issue they didn't understand. Several of the questions pertain to their specific occupations. In answering each question, the instructor showed each person what application of the instruction could look like in their unique environment. As a result, each person became much more confident that they could actually put into practice what they were taught. The process reminded me a lot of personal discipleship. Believers often attend discipleship training through church services or small group Bible studies. Lessons from Scripture are presented to everyone. Yet the people in attendance have diverse life experiences and environments. There are different ages and learning styles to consider as well. This is where personal, one-on-one discipleship can become significant in the life of a believer. Personal discipleship meets an individual where they are in their spiritual journey and then shows them what it will look like to apply God's Word in their unique set of circumstances. Jesus demonstrated personal, individual discipleship with several of His disciples. In following His example, Paul personally discipled Timothy as well as other believers. Formal discipleship opportunities are often easy to recognize because they typically come with an invitation. As those around you become aware of Jesus' powerful work in your life and heart, they may ask you to disciple them or someone they know. A person may, for example, approach you to disciple them personally. A parent may ask you to mentor their child, or a minister might solicit you to disciple a new believer. However, before committing to train someone, We always want to consider God's best appointments for us rather than merely our availability. So let's consider ways to do just that. When I'm approached about discipleship, I find it valuable to determine the person's expectations by asking questions. For example, what did you have in mind when referring to discipleship? Or what are your expectations for being discipled? Answers to these questions will often reveal a person's expectations. For example, A parent asking you to mentor their teenager may say, I can't get my child to obey me, or I don't know much about the Bible, but I want my child to. What do these responses tell us? Well, they reveal a desire on the part of the parent, but they fail to reflect a desire in the child. In cases like these, I would ask additional questions and perhaps even meet with the teen to determine their level of interest. On the other hand, a parent may say, My child really wants to grow in their understanding of the Bible, but I'm not sure I can take them very far or that I would be the best person to do that. This response does reflect a desire for discipleship on the part of the child. As always, seek God's wisdom. He may lead you to meet with the child before committing to disciple them, 
Or he may also prompt you to explore the parent's need for discipleship. Sometimes, when a person answers a question about their expectations for discipleship, you realize that what they really want is a quick fix to a problem in their life or an answer to a single question. They might say something like, I'm just not getting along with my boss and I want to know what to do. Or, why do people continue to sin after they've been saved? In cases such as these, point the person to applicable truth. Then, wait to see if they are content with your answer or if they show further interest in being discipled. Some answers may reveal that the person wants to meet with you, but for other reasons than discipleship. They may merely be seeking companionship. I most often meet with a person inquiring about discipleship at least once to help them understand genuine discipleship or to steer them in God's direction. Some people may approach you out of curiosity. They may not be familiar with the idea of discipleship, or they may not understand the purpose or benefits of it. In these cases, I encourage you to take the time to explain the significance of personal discipleship. Then ask them to pray about the next steps God may want them to take concerning the truth you shared with them. Sometimes you may not be the best person to disciple another because the person asking be discipled is a relative, friend, or a close friend of the family. Not that you can't disciple them, but they may not have considered how hard it may be to share openly and honestly with you. In this case, explain to them the necessity of being transparent in the discipleship process and commit to pray together that you will both recognize God's will. Also, it's important to keep in mind that you can only take someone as far as you have personally traveled in your spiritual journey. That means that you need to be conscientious in determining that you are indeed more spiritually mature than the person you are mentoring. You may experience occasions when the Holy Spirit prompts you to actually invite someone to be discipled. For example, you are with someone when they get saved. Personal discipleship would be one of the best ways for a new believer to grow in their walk with Christ. I've experienced some individuals who continue to approach me with questions concerning spiritual issues. And at times, the Lord will prompt me to ask them if they've ever been discipled. Those conversations sometimes lead to more formal discipleship opportunities. In any case, we should seek God's timing in the invitation to be discipled and allow each person to prayerfully consider the offer. Prior to engaging in formal discipleship, I encourage you to study the scriptures included in the episodes Plan to Succeed and Purposeful Mentoring included in this series. We should take each potential opportunity to God in prayer, allowing Him to reveal His will to us. Rest assured that the Lord knows what is best and rely on His discernment to guide you. I say that because there have been many times over the years that I've been excited about the potential to disciple a person who is asking me to do so. Yet at the same time, I have had a check in my spirit. That's why it's important to ask the Lord to include Him in the process. Even though God wants people to be discipled, it may be that God will try to prevent you from committing to disciple an individual because He has another assignment for you. Or maybe He wants to use you just to introduce a believer to another person to disciple them. Whatever the reason, trust God with your commitments for formal discipleship. I was once approached by a college gal named Sarah, asking me to disciple her. This gal is precious, and I immediately look forward to the opportunity to disciple her. 
Later that same night, I was introduced to another college gal named Betsy. We quickly hit it off, and I looked forward to getting to know her better in the future. As I prayed about the invitation to disciple Sarah, the Holy Spirit was clearly impressing on me to say no. I was initially surprised and a little disappointed. Now, I do not always understand why God says no, but I do know that He has a plan and He wants us to follow it by trusting Him. I also know from experience that when you commit to something by saying yes, when God prompts you to say no, it leads to regret. So I began to pray that Sarah would receive my answer of no to disciple her and that she would trust that God had a better plan. Then I called her. To my surprise, Betsy answered the phone. I had no idea they were roommates. Betsy began to explain to me that she and Sarah had both been praying for God to provide someone to disciple each of them. As they both continued to pray about it, they agreed that I should disciple Betsy, not Sarah, and they asked me to help them find someone to disciple Sarah. As Betsy explained to me the situation, the Holy Spirit was compelling me to agree to disciple her. I committed to disciple Betsy, and I quickly found someone else to disciple Sarah. It's in those moments that I truly recognize that God's thoughts and ways are so much higher than mine. The point is this. If God gives you a peace about committing to disciple a person, then commit wholeheartedly and move forward in obedience to Him. If, however, the Holy Spirit does not give you His peace about committing to disciple a person, explain to them how you make decisions that reflect obedience to the Lord. Then assure them that you will help find a person to disciple them, and then do so. God has a strategy for furthering His kingdom, and He wants you to be a specific part of it. Be aware that godly callings are often outside the church walls. As you become a living example of Jesus' character and His Word, everywhere you go has the potential for structured and unstructured discipleship training. Because you cannot be in two places at one time, Begin to develop the habit of faithfully relying on God's wisdom and discernment to recognize godly appointments. Then choose to trust in His ability to accomplish His eternal purpose in each assignment. Sometimes God will call us to plant seeds of truth in the life of a non-believer or to informally nurture the faith of a young believer. At other times, divine appointments may lead us to develop relationships with believers who need to be formally discipled or perhaps held accountable to live according to truth. Regardless of the assignment, recognizing God's open doors of opportunity and making yourself available to fulfill His work is a distinguishing mark of a true disciple.